listening to the Energy Policy Podcast, a production of the Center for the New Energy Economy at Colorado State University. I'm your host, Tom Plant. And I'm your co-host, Jeff Ling. And we're talking about net metering this week. We're actually talking about net metering all month because it's such a huge issue and it's very complex and there's so many different perspectives on it. Last week, we talked a little bit about just what it is, how, how net metering works, and introduced the some of the competing ideas around why this is a why this is an issue that's uh, that's coming up in legislatures and regulatory commissions around the country. So this week we're going to look a little bit at the utility perspective of net metering policies. I mean, we have the net metering policies around the country are pervasive. We've got forty six states that either have a voluntary or mandatory net metering policy. Forty three states have a mandatory net metering. Right. So it's it's pretty pervasive around the country, and utilities are now starting to push back against these net metering policies for a variety of reasons. So, Jeff, why don't we run through what some of the concerns are uh, from the utility standpoint? So from the utility perspective, there's really kind of four issues, Tom, that we identified. And, and the first and probably the most important uh, from, you know, sort of speaking as a utility or sort of thinking as a utility in terms of net metering, um, lost revenue. That's probably the biggest one. And, and the concept here is pretty simple. Uh, in the example that you gave in the last podcast, uh, for the customer that generated 10 kilowatt hours in a day from their solar system, that's 10 kilowatt hours that the utility didn't sell that household. And, and, and the revenue from those 10 kilowatt hours were lost, that the utility did not recover that revenue. And so the issue here pretty simply is how are utilities sort of made whole uh, in the face of uh, net metered solar generation or any other form of, of, of generation. So, you, yeah, you, you bring up the lost revenue. That's one issue in itself. And this making whole of, of investments mm-hmm. that rate, you know, rate payments go towards paying back. So everything from your generating facilities to your transmission lines to your substations to the Trucks that run around and fix problems, and you know, and when a storm comes up, I mean, all these things are costs. utility staff, the utility right? Their staff, employees, right? everything. All costs that the utilities have. So as they see declining revenue, um, they they need to make up some of that revenue That's by right. shifting those costs to other consumers. And so this is sometimes referred to as a cost shift or a cross subsidization. And that's really kind of this the second issue. They're, they're, these are all very interrelated issues, but yeah. to try to parse them out, this, this cost shift that you're referring to, Tom, um, is uh, really arises if a utility has to sort of uh, spread the costs of their system across what they call their rate base, which is really all of the customers. It's you and me and the homes and businesses that buy energy from the utility. Um, if there are fewer customers that are paying into their rate base because they are um, receiving retail credit, retail electricity credit from their uh, solar system, then that rate base is smaller. And so those same costs, those fixed costs that you were describing, now have to be spread across a smaller rate base. And so the argument then that we sometimes hear is that uh, this may drive up rates for non-solar customers. And then the, the third issue is one of, um, of, of fairness, really, um, around, uh, around the costs of the grid. So the utilities will argue that when you're a solar generator, you, you haven't left the grid. You haven't left your reliance on the grid. In fact, 
you're just as reliant on the grid, maybe even more so, because when you generate power with uh -huh. your solar system, you need the grid to put that solar system onto during the day. That to store solar, it, really. That, yeah, yeah, that solar power needs to go somewhere, so right. it goes onto the grid, uh, anything that you're not using in your house. And then, you know, if you come home at night, uh, after you've been away at work, you get home, it's dark out, you open the door, you turn on the lights, all of a sudden you're pulling power off the grid and you're relying on the grid for that power just like any other customer, any other customer that doesn't have solar power. And uh, so th there's, a, there's an issue that utilities bring up of people think when they invest in solar that they're becoming self-sufficient, but in fact they're still very dependent upon the utility for this power when they need it and this, this fundamental issue of reliability. Well, that's absolutely right. I like what you said about never leaving the grid. In a way, net metering is a way of, of, of tying in even more deeply with the grid, right? The, the issue that you raised of, of this sort of morning peak and then afternoon, evening, much larger peak for the utilities, um, those two morning and evening peaks when you're getting up and starting to use energy or coming back home and using a lot more energy often can happen, both of those peaks could happen when it's dark outside, right? With the, the solar uh, production happening, you know, largely when the sun's up and solar noon being kind of early afternoon and, and how to reconcile those things. And, and even in the example um, that you gave Tom in the last podcast of a customer that might produce as much as they consume on a daily basis or a monthly basis, or an annual basis, or maybe even produce more than they consume in, in banking their credits, even those customers are using the grid, are pulling power from the grid um, uh, at times, certain times of the year. Utilities call these things ancillary services, right? The voltage support, the, the transmission and distribution, the substation, all the fixed costs, again, these, these uh, grid services that even solar customers that have gone 100% solar, but have never really left the grid, uh, are using. And, you know, the, 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 final, the final point that I think utilities uh, point to, and, and solar um, uh, producers talk about peak power quite a bit as well, and there's a couple of different kinds of peaks. So you've got your daily peaks. So when the power comes up in the, as you were mentioning, the morning and the afternoon peaks that you have right. on a daily basis, day after day, month after month for the entire year. And then you've got another thing that's, you know, the peak power for the year, the peak demand for the year. So that might happen in the summertime, in the middle of the day, when uh, on the hottest day of the year, when all the air conditioners go on, right? Exactly. So solar, uh, solar producers will talk about how their generation matches peak power and provides this peak power that is sometimes very expensive. Um, and that, that really matches up well for those very high summer peaks when everybody turns on their air conditioning in the middle of the day. But those daily peaks that we see, which are more uh, in the, the later afternoon uh, time, that's something that the utilities are very concerned about with respect to solar power because solar is generating in the middle of the day and then dropping off and, and generally dropping down by about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So it's on a downward slope from 2 to 4. Right. Think of a bell curve that maybe peaks between, say, 2 and 3 or 2.30. Yeah, exactly. And you've got your, at the same time, you've got your demand increasing from 2 to, say, 6 or, or another different curve that goes from 2 to 6. And where these cross over, 
you've got a very low amount of uh, power demand that's required of the utility, and then all of a sudden when it gets dark and you've still got that peak, you've got a big surge in power demand that's required of the utility. And so the utilities raise this issue as one of a reliability concern, and it's sometimes referred to as a duck curve, and that refers to sort of the visualization of this thing, and we'll have a link to it on the webpage. But that's another issue, is this reliability issue that uh, utilities want to want to be able to deal with as more and more solar power starts to come onto the grid. Oh, that's absolutely right. And um, it's, it's this time of day production, the matching of the load to use um, utility sort of uh, terminology, load being the, the end uh, demand for energy. I think it's fair to say that in those cases, the case you described, uh, solar's production shape is close but not exactly what the utilities demand curve is. And so how do we uh, reconcile that shift? There are technologies to do it, uh, but there it's not a one for one. Um, here in the Southwest, right, uh, where peak loads tend to happen in the summertime, in the late afternoon due to air conditioning, uh, there's a, a very good match with solar, but there are a lot of times in the day uh, when the match isn't great. And so that's, a, again, another sort of utility issue that's been raised. So we've been talking a little bit about the utility issues related to net metering as a, as a policy issue we're seeing before legislatures and commissions around the country. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit about what some of the solar advocates and, and net metering advocates' counterarguments are to many of these issues, as well as some of the benefits that they raise about solar power. And then we're going to talk a little bit about policies, some of the policies that have been proposed around the country to address this issue, both short-term and then also more long-term uh, institutional policies that can sort of change this overall dynamic. You've been listening to the Energy Policy Podcast, a production of the Center for the New Energy Economy. I'm your co-host, Jeff Link. And I'm Tom Plant. Thank you very much for tuning in. You can always hear us at policypodcast.com. Tune in next week. Thanks. Thanks.